What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, discipleship and catechesis, works of charity, actions of justice. The list will go on and on and on. I will then sit with your questions, pray with them, study and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint and you walk toward eternity. But here's my disclaimer. I'm not perfect. Therefore, the advice that I share with you, the responses I give to you might not be good for you. If my advice, my answers are not good for you, if they don't help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, then please disregard whatever it is that I say, right? Trash it. If it is not good for you in your relationship with Jesus Christ and the church he founded 2000 years ago. But if my advice is helpful, though difficult, then I really want to encourage you to lean into Jesus Christ in prayer and worship and study and fellowship and uh, service to the poorest of the poor so that God can give you the grace that you may need to do, fulfill the demands of discipleship in your walk toward becoming a saint. If you are a first time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions at www.ascensionpress.com slash ask father Josh spell out A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and any other podcast format that is out there. You can uh, share us on your social media pages. When you do this, it helps other people to find out about the show. If it's been good for you, potentially, it can be good for them as well. And finally, if you want to stay in touch with me outside the podcast, you can order my books through Ascension Press, Broken and Blessed, Pocket Guide to Adoration, and my book with Father Mike Schmitz, Pocket Guide to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. On today's show, we are going to talk about bringing our kids to adoration. When, whenever we have those small kids and they're loud and they're crying, what do we do, especially whenever we really love adoration? We're also going to talk about the power of evil and specifically uh, whenever our loved ones are lured away from Jesus in the church. And then we're going to talk about dealing with shame. Like We've been in confession, we confess the sins, but but we, we still feel guilty about it and shameful about it. And so we, we, we tend to go to confession over and over again and confess the same sin that's already been absolved over and over again, even though it's already been absolved. So those are going to be the topics that we're going to address today. But before we get into those topics, I want to share with you a few glory stories. All right, so my first glory story is this. Uh, so I have three. First one is my friend Gloria Purvis. Uh, we did a podcast together. She has a podcast called The Glory Purvis Show through America Media, and she invited me uh, to be a guest on her show. And so uh, she and I have been friends for a number of years now, and she's just a gift to me. Uh, friendship is a gift to me. She reminds me of St. Teresa of Avila. She's a late Carmelite. She's married. Uh, has a daughter. Uh, she's a holy woman, lay woman, but she is a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we had a great conversation with a great dialogue. And we talked about a lot of things with regards to social media. And so it was about maybe an hour long. It was pretty, pretty long, but it was really, really good. And it was good to be with her. And so I want to encourage you to check that out. I also was able to have fellowship with a number of my priest friends. We, we went to Cali, we, uh, California, for a week. I'm going, going back, back to Cali, Cali. We went to California, and we went to the Norbertine Monastery up there. 
Uh, we went to Christ Cathedral. We went to uh, this beautiful little chapel called St. Jean Vianney, uh, and somewhere near Newport in Orange County. It was just, it was so, it was so good. We had fellowship. We prayed. We laughed. We worshiped God together. We engaged each other in some very difficult topics and we discern together communally like how we might be invited by the Holy Spirit to address certain evils that are affecting our people and our nation. It was so delightful when brothers were gathered together. It was really, really, really delightful. And so I I knew it was going to be a good time and I knew it was going to be anointed. Uh, I didn't know how good it was going to be and how anointed it was going to be. It was very special. And it was it was something that I would even I would even go on to say was probably historical. Our gathering was historical based on the supernatural fruits that potentially might come from this this gathering that we had together. It was powerful. It was so, so powerful. And I'm so grateful to God for bringing all of us together. We're from all over the nation. And uh, it was really, really beautiful to, to be with my brothers. And then uh, and then finally, uh, prayer. Uh, I got to pray with my, one of my good friends, Father Andrew Merrick. We prayed together the other day, this really cool way. We used to pray a lot. We learned it from a religious community where you you read scripture, a passage, and then after you read the passage all the way through, you chant the passage. And it just helps you to like enter deeper into the passage. And then you pick one line from that passage that you chanted that really spoke to your heart. And then you pray with that out loud a few times, that passage, you read it three times, you chant it. And then we invite the Holy Spirit to allow that one line from that one passage to guide us to other places in scripture that are connected to that particular passage. And so we did that the other night and it was so life-giving. It was so life-giving to do that form of prayer. Uh, and so we're going to do that more often. And that was just, again, it was just beautiful to be able to pray with one of my brother priest before the Blessed Sacrament with the Word of God, sacred scriptures. Uh, it was fire. And uh, yeah, so that would be my three glory stories for the week. And I got some feedback too before we get in the show from Laura. Laura, I remember there was a video game when I was a kid, uh, Laura Croft video game. It was on N64, is that what it was, or PlayStation? PlayStation, I think it was a PlayStation video game. Um, Thank you for sharing your voice and thought process and honesty with us. If someone like you had been around when I was a teen, I may have never left the church during my teens and my early 20s. Luckily, I've been called back and grow closer to God every day. Your experiences help the relationship grow stronger. Thank you, Laura. Laura, thank you so much. I'm so grateful that you and I are able to walk with each other in this season of your life. And, uh, and I look forward to hearing more from you about how the Lord is inviting you to be a saint, like how he's calling you to a deeper intimacy with him and, uh, and what specific mission he's given you in your walk toward eternity. Now, let's go ahead and jump into today's show. First question comes in from Katie. Katie writes in about dealing with shame. Hey, Father Josh, let me start off by saying you are such an incredible blessing to so many. God has truly sent you to help those in need. You're so relatable and it's wonderful and very encouraging. I continue to pray for you and your family. Thank you, Katie. First of all, thank you. Your prayers. Only in heaven will I know how God used your prayers, Katie, to help me and to help my family out. And so uh, please keep me in your prayers and particularly please keep my family in your prayers as well. 
My question or concern is this. A number of years ago in my 20s, I was at a very low point. I was depressed and searching for what I hoped would be real love. Real love. I'm searching for that real love. Someone to set my heart free. Real love. Oh, that's that old school Mary J. Blige, real love. You see, I'm searching for a real love and I don't know where to go. I'm searching high and low and something, 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 never know. Yeah, so Mary J. Blige, she has some bangers. If you don't know who she is, maybe her best song is um called Be Without You. It's, her chemistry was crazy from the get-go. Neither one of us knew why. Something, something, something overnight, cause a love like this takes some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you uh, be without, cause I can't be without you, baby. Hey. Anyways, so back to your question and concern. I found myself continuing to make the same mistakes repeatedly by sleeping with these men that I dated sometimes only briefly, and I am so incredibly ashamed and disappointed in myself. Though I have confessed these sins on multiple occasions during confession, I can't ever forgive myself. I do believe God most likely forgives me, but I am also deeply afraid of the recourse I will have to pay for these mistakes. I'm frightened of the suffering and purgatory Though I know I deserve the consequences and to be made clean before entering in heaven, it was such a sad time in my life and I shed away from what was right. I'm just wondering, does it offend God that I don't forgive myself? Will I suffer immensely for these sins? Can I do anything to earn penances while on earth? I know we must pay for our sins and he died for our sins, but I can't help but to feel scared of dying because of this. Any insight would be greatly appreciated. God bless you, Katie. Katie. You are so loved by God, so loved by the Lord. I've, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I really, I think it's important to mention it over and over again. A commercial you might find really helpful to watch is come and get your love. Type in, you go on YouTube and type in French commercial, come and get your love. It's a French commercial about a father and a son. It's like a cell phone commercial, but it's beautiful because in this commercial, the father never takes his eyes off the son. The father looks at the son, the father delights in the son at all times. When the son was a baby, when the son was a toddler, when the son was a tit kid, when the son was a teenager, young adult and adult. Now there were certain seasons in the son's life where he didn't delight in the father delighting in him. He was embarrassed by the father's delight. He rejected it. He resisted it. He pulled away from it. He wanted to do his own thing. But even when he did his own thing, the father still saw him never took his eyes off of him and delighted in him. The father still loved the son. Now, after you watch this video, which I would encourage you to watch, after you hear my response to this particular question, just put a pause in the podcast, watch the video, come back. Then I want to invite you to pray Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son. Again, the son left the father. The son wanted to be happy. The son thought that I can make myself happy by, by spending my money on inappropriate, unhealthy, promiscuous relationships, by spending my money on gluttony and food and drink and parties and everything else, and that's going to fulfill me. And the more the son did those things, the less he was happy because sin never satisfies. Finite people, even if they're good, can't satisfy us. And so he was left feeling more empty, and he finally came back home to the father, not because he was sorry for his sins. He came back home to the father because he was hungry and he saw that the pigs were eating better than him. So he came back to the father only to get a hot plate of food because he saw how good his father was to his servants. And when he came back to the father, the father saw him from a distance, which means the father never stopped looking at him. 
And the father ran to him, and the father embraced him. And whenever the son was embraced by the father, the son began to complain and, 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 and weep about all the sins he committed. Father, I, I've, I've shamed you. I've, I've offended you and God. And the father's like, stop. Stop focusing on your sins. Stop focusing on yourself. Look at me. I want to rejoice in you. You are my beloved. I see you. I know everything about you. I know what you've done. I know what has been done to you. I know what you will do in the future. And I want you to know that I delight in you. I forgive you and I love you. And all I want to do is celebrate you. That which the father in that story did for the son is what the father did for you, Katie, when you came back to confession so many years ago. When you confessed your sins of of unhealthy relationships, of looking for love in all the wrong places before you found that love in Jesus Christ, when you came back to the, the Father in confession, God the Father in heaven and all the angels and all the saints began to rejoice. He's focusing on his love for you and he wants you to focus on that as well. Don't focus on your past. Don't focus on your faults. Don't focus on your imperfections. Focus on the face of the Father who delights in you so, so much. That's where he wants your attention to be, not on yourself, but on his love. And if you need help to focus on his love, then pray with Mother Teresa's I Thirst Meditation. It's a very helpful meditation to pray with. Pray with the Sisters of Life. I think it's called their Litany of Trust. These are all helpful tools that you can help to pray with um, that can help you to, to, to believe that God does forgive you. Uh, he does. He really does. So, he really does. So, with that being said, does it offend God that you don't forgive yourself? No, it doesn't offend him because to me, Katie, I think that that's more of a depression thing, right? I'm not, I'm not going to diagnose you with depression. So, let me be very clear. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a licensed therapist. I'm not a psychologist. I will stay in my lane. I am not that. But I do think that on some level, when I've walked with people who had similar struggles, there's typically some form of depression operative there, right? Some form of uh, depression that would be best suited for a counselor. So you've already been in confession, but you're still struggling with self-forgiveness. So now it's time to bring that to the counselor. Counselors, as I've said before on the show, over and over again, my friend, Sister Josephine Garrett's a counselor. My friend, Dr. Marissa Cost is a counselor. I, like, I have so many good friends who are counselors, therapists, licensed professionals, Stacey Galino. There's a, a number of really awesome, good disciples of Jesus Christ who are members of the body of Christ, being given gifts in the body of Christ, who've studied and learned and are trained to accompany us. I have had a ther- therapist. Some of my holiest friends have had therapists, right? And still have them. And so it's important for us to go to the priest for absolution, like that's the gift that I can offer you in the body of Christ. The role that I play is absolution. So whenever I absolve you, you are really forgiven. So even if you don't feel forgiven, even if you don't think you're forgiven, you are forgiven by virtue of the sacrament. It is gone. Jesus, God forgave you through my ministry. All right. So it was God who forgave you. God did it, but through the priest in the sacrament of reconciliation. So God also wants to continue to heal you over time. Like, I'm not saying it's going to be complete healing on earth because that's what we receive in heaven. But little by little, you can experience doses of healing while on earth through counseling, through a licensed professional therapist. And I know some people are like, but I'm worried. What if, what if the counselor, the therapist, or the psychologist is super sketchy? And there might be some. Go to catholictherapist.com. 
www.catholictherapist.com. This is a website that, that can help navigate you and, and help you to find a therapist that you can meet and pray with and discern. Is this the right person in the body of Christ who can help you? Because you might need to meet with that counselor. You might need to take medication. In Sirach chapter 38, again, one of my favorite Bible passages from the Old Testament, Sirach 38, the sacred author tells us that we need to take medicine from the hands of the pharmacist. So God gives us medicine. Right? We Medicine helps us. If I'm struggling with discouragement and despair, with depression, with any forms of mental illness, with scrupulosity, in addition to spiritual direction, confession, and counseling, my therapist might also give me medications that can also help me in that place in my life. There are many saints who struggled with this as well. There are many saints who struggled with despair, who struggled with unforgiveness after they were forgiven from the priest in confession, who struggled with many forms of, of, of scrupulosity and OCD and other things. So I want you to know that you're not alone. So you're not offending God. You're not committing another sin. I think God's just bringing this to the light for you to bring this struggle to a member of the body of Christ who can accompany you. We, we get to heaven in the context of community. God gave us a community. So the church is here to help us. And there's many people in the church. And so I think a lot of us feel really comfortable with priests and we want to go to priests for everything. But the reality is priests cannot do everything. We are limited. Thomas Aquinas says humility is recognizing our limitations, knowing our lane, embracing our place. My place is not therapy. There are other people who do that. Other people might need, in addition to therapists, a good spiritual director who can help them with their interior life. I think that's great. And then other people need a confessor. So you have a confessor, a spiritual director, a counselor, all of the above, not either or, both and is always good. If you still, though, feel compelled after counseling or wiring counseling and spiritual direction and going to confession and receiving sacraments and serving the poor, right, going out of yourself to serve other people who are suffering, then when those thoughts come to you, I would, I would encourage you to allow those to be experiences and just an invitation. You don't have to do this, but my invitation is for you to allow those to be times where you could thank God for where he's taking you, for how far you've come. I praise you, G. Like anytime I hear confessions and I hear someone confess sins that I used to struggle with when I was in high school or when I was in college or, or, or even in seminar or whatever, the different sins. I thought, I'm a sinner. I go to confession once a week. And so uh, in every season of life, there's new sins that come to the surface. But when I hear sins that I don't experience anymore by the grace of God and other people confess them, I always thank God. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, so much that you have freed me over time. None of it was overnight for me. Like there are some saints who they had an overnight conversion and all their vices went away. Trust me, mine was years. All my stuff took a long time. Even after I fell in love with God, it was a long, long, long time. But by the grace of God, there have been many areas of breakthroughs and of bondages being uh, and chains being broken. So with that being said, whenever I hear old sins, it reminds me of my sins. And, um, and I thank God. I say, thank you, Jesus, so much. Thank you for liberating me. Thank you for freeing me. Give me the grace to cooperate and to persevere because the devil still hates me and the devil will tempt me to fall back. And so the devil will still tempt me, but thank you for not allowing me to delight in his temptations and his suggestions. Oh God, thank you so much. And a lot to be moments of gratitude. Thank you, God, for where you've taken me. Remember how you fell in love with God. Remember how you experienced his love and mercy the first time you went to the sacrament of reconciliation to confess your sins. Ah, maybe may it be a season and a time of gratitude um, for you. So yeah. Yeah, because you have been absolved. You have been uh, forgiven. So 
In that light, what about purgatory? Yeah, purgatory is real. And St. Saint John, the beloved disciple, writes about it in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 27. He says, nothing unclean will enter into the presence of God in heaven. So whenever we die, we either go to heaven or we go to hell. If we go to heaven, we must be cleaned. According to the book of Revelation, nothing unclean enters to heaven. So to be clean, we are clean by the purifying the blood of Christ that purifies us over time. So purgatory is that, that shower, that phase of purification. So is it painful? I mean, Maybe it might be like a hot shower, it might be like a cold shower. I don't know. We won't be in our bodies. So I really don't know. Different saints have said different things about their thoughts on purgatory, about their visions of purgatory, about their theological musings about purgatory. But at the end of the day, I don't know if it's going to feel like a second or if it's going to feel like a hundred years because it's outside of time as well. So number one, we don't have our bodies when we're in purgatory, when we're going through the purifying phase. Number two, it's outside of time. So what does it even look like? Those are questions that we won't know until we get there, but I wouldn't worry about it because it's the love of God that's purifying you, making clean because he wants you to be perfect. He wants you to perfectly receive every gift he has for you to, 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 to experience. And so it's the love of God is restoring us. And, and so I would keep my eyes on the story of the prodigal son and let that be my image of even purgatory of, of like the Lord will purify me in a very safe way. He will not hurt me. It might, it, if it might, it might be painful. Like giving birth to a baby is painful, but it's still good. It's what's best for us. And so if that makes sense. Yeah. So May that be our image of purgatory, labor, labor. Oh man, if guys could give labor, there would be no more babies because guys, um, we don't sacrifice the way women do. Women are tough. And finally, can you do penance on earth? Yes, you can begin your purgatory now. So you don't have to wait till you die to go to purgatory. Like pure, because again, it's, it's that purifying phase on our way to heaven. So as you abide in the grace of God through the sacraments, then continue to fast, offer up sacrifices, offer up little penances. Um, <laughs> who is it? Fulton Sheen says, we don't have to wear hair shirts anymore. He says, our version of a hair shirt, that, that, that kind of um, penance can be being with people who are annoying and choosing to not like give them a side eye choosing to be charitable whenever you're with them, choosing to have custody of your tongue and to fast from any unnecessary words and to bless them whenever they get on your nerves. Like that can be a great gift to other people. So I would encourage you to do little penances, little fastings here on earth. And so um, that could also you know, help you in your walk toward eternity. So to recap, God forgave you. He already absolved you. If it comes up again, and it probably will come up again, May it be a time of gratitude for you, potentially, encouragement, spiritual direction, and counseling. Um, and if the counselor or the therapist offers medication as well, to try it out, because that's what the Bible says in the Old Testament, Sirach 38. So next question, speaking of while we're on the sacraments, let's just keep with the sacraments. We're going to go to um, adoration question. This is from an Instagram account. Someone on Instagram hit me up and said, Hey, Father Josh, congrats on your podcast. Thank you for your vocation and your ministry. My daughters and I listen to you every chance we get. Every single day, every step, every step that I make. Uh, 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 uh. All right, anyways, I'm not sure if you've addressed this topic before. I'm a mother of six beautiful kids ranging from 22 years old to 10 months. Praise God. Shout out to you, mama. We attend church every Sunday, but choose not to attend holy hours due to our boys' behavior who are seven and four. When we do go and try to instill in them good behavior in silence, it becomes a struggle that we feel disturbs others and definitely distracts the rest of us. We've tried so many tactics to get them to behave, but nothing seems to work. And I'm afraid they won't know the beauty of having this opportunity to pray in the presence of Jesus exposed in the Blessed Sacrament while they're still in their very formative years. Should we continue to bring them each week despite their behavior? 
how much should we concern ourselves with how others around us feel versus Jesus saying, bring the children to me despite the reactions of those around him? Thanks, Instagram question. So a few things. Um, I would encourage you, if you so there's a difference between like mass and adoration. So mass, bring, bring the kids to mass. Let them scream, let them cry, let them act the fool up in there, up in there. Because whenever we go to mass, we're going to the holy sacrifice of the mass. The mass is not about us. The mass is all about worshiping God the Father. We don't go for ourselves. We go for Jesus. We go for the spirit of God. We go for the Father. Mary, the mother of God, and John, the beloved disciple, and Mary Magdalene did not go to the foot of the cross 2,000 years ago because it felt good, because it was about them, because they were trying to, get, they, they went for Jesus. They went for love of Jesus. And while they were there, there were people screaming, and there were people crying, and there were people hollering, and it was noisy, and it wasn't conducive to this very intimate, beautiful moment, right? But they still went, and Mary, the mother of God, then said, hey, ladies who are weeping over there, stop crying. I'm trying to pray. No, she let them cry. She let them be loud. So at Mass, it's a communal prayer. Communal prayer is not about us individually. So let the kids come to Mass, let them cry at Mass, and if people give you the side eye at Mass, then reach out to Our Lady the side eye and let her give them the side eye as well. But as far as adoration, I think a few things. Number one, adoration chapels are typically silent chapels. And so if there are committed adorers who are signed up for certain hours, then and then if kids come and like are screaming, like that is more of a personal prayer, private prayer time. And so what I would recommend is what we've done at my parish. At, well, I'm not at Holy Rosary anymore. <laughs> when I was a pastor at Holy Rosary, what we did was we have designated hours um, for moms and tots or for, for parents and their kids. Um, and so we have hours set aside in the Adoration Chapel where people know if I go to adoration on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at this time, this time, and this time, it's all different times because we're trying to accommodate different groups of parents, um, some who are homeschool parents, some who work, and some who do a hybrid of both. And they know when I go to adoration at those times, it's going to be loud, and it's going to be crazy, and it's going to be chaotic. And so, but I also know that I can go to adoration at these times, X, Y, and Z, where it's going to be complete silence. Um, and so that way it's, it's respectful and reverent of, of all the members of the body of Christ, whereas they're also reverencing you and your kids who deserve to be in the presence of Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. St. Francis of Assisi said that the greatest thing we could ever do for God is sit in his presence in the Eucharist. So many conversions have happened before the Eucharist. I had my convert, my reversion back to the church in the presence of the Eucharist. Gloria Purvis, who I mentioned earlier on the podcast, who I was a guest on her show on America's um, podcast, uh, she converted to the church because of her experience at a Catholic school as a Protestant during Eucharistic adoration. And so many priests have got that vocation from time spent before Jesus, the person Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. So I would encourage you to find creative ways to get your kids in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Well, this would involve you having consistent and intentional conversations with your pastor um, and your pastoral council to make sure that this happens. In the meantime, I would also encourage you to go into the church and pray before the tabernacle. The Lord Jesus Christ is just as efficacious in the presence of the tabernacle as he is exposed in an adoration chapel. So if the kids are very rambunctious, if they need to run around, then... I would also encourage you to go pray before the Eucharist in the church, right? And so you have both and options. Um, there's also another parish, I know that was very creative, and in their adoration chapel, they created a cry room. In the adoration chapel, it's like an adoration chapel with a cry room. So these are all things that you can you know, pray with discern. But yeah, so it's always the, the, the both and approach that we want to take with this. Uh, this kind of question. So I think it's a great thing that you're doing that, but I would just encourage you to have a conversation with your pastor and um, see if you can find a group of moms or dads or grandparents who commit to bringing tots to certain hours, uh, little kids. And in that way, our children can be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in the blessed sacrament, and they can have encounters with him in a way that is good for them to become saints. So let me know if that was helpful uh, or if you have any criticism, feedback, concerns about what I just said. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to dive into my final question about the power of evil. 
Are you ready to know St. Joseph in a personal way? Father Mark Toops, adjunct faculty member for the Institute for Priestly Formation and presenter of Rejoice and Oremus, brings you In St. Joseph's Footsteps, 30 Days of Meditations. It may be daunting or challenging to get to know St. Joseph, but through In St. Joseph's Footsteps, you will not only get to know St. Joseph, but the Holy Family as well. Walk with St. Joseph through 30 days of meditations using St. Ignatius of Loyola's imaginative prayer. From the betrothal of St. Joseph to Mary, to the presentation, and more, you will walk through major moments in St. Joseph's life. To learn more about In St. Joseph's Footsteps, 30 days of meditations, go to ascensionpress.com forward slash Joseph. And we're back. Quick reminder, you can hit me up with your own questions at www.assistionpress.com slash askfatherjosh. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and all other podcast formats, and you can share us on your social media pages. Final question comes in from Katie. Mary Kate and Ashley, they were on Full House, the twins. Their sister was also in the Marvel movie, uh, The Avengers, and she had her own show on Disney+. Plus. Uh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm, the Olsen twins. Father Josh, this may be a strange question, but why is the devil, Satan, so powerful? God is all-powerful, but why are the works of the devil so powerful? I ask this because my children have fallen away from the Catholic Church, actually any faith in God. They were raised Catholic, but as soon as they went away to college, there was a change. I was so naive, not preparing them for what might pull them away from their Catholic upbringing. It breaks my heart every day that they do not go to church and receive the sacraments. They do not believe in prayer, but I keep on praying for them. Even if they do not want the prayers, I am most especially asking for St. Monica's intercession. Thank you for your thoughts and advice on this. God bless you always. Please keep all unbelievers in your prayers, Katie. That is a great question, Katie. So you know what? You're right. God is all powerful. And yes, Satan does have power, but God has more power. And God wants to fight this battle for you. God loves your kids more than you do. And I would really encourage you to, to dive into more lives of the saints. So you have St. Monica, whose son, St. Augustine, walked away from the church for many years, but she never gave up on praying and fasting for him. And eventually he came back to the church and became one of the greatest doctors of the church, uh, theologians in the church, in the church's 2,000-year history, all because his mom never stopped praying for him. You have the same thing with Blessed Elizabeth Lisieux. Her husband was an atheist, and she prayed for him until the day she died, never saw his conversion. And then while she was in heaven, he finally had a conversion after he went to Lord's. So many of us, including myself, left Jesus Christ and left the church for many years. And look at us. Look where we're at. We're back with the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have um, authority as a mom. So if I were you, I would encourage you to send your angels to communicate with your children's angels and ask your angels and their angels to pray over them while they are awake and while they are asleep. You can fast for them today. And it's, what I've what I've often recognized is that oftentimes when our loved ones go through things, difficult seasons um, of life, the whole family goes through deeper conversions, right? Uh, so for instance, say, say if one of your sons was possessed and they're not, I'm, not, I'm just saying, say if, if, if they were living with you, they're 16 years old, they were involved in some demonic stuff, they played the Ouija board and uh, they did some uh, new age stuff and all of a sudden they opened themselves up to possession, boom, now they're possessed. It's crazy, right? What many exorcists would encourage you to do is the whole family, is the whole family would then fast from television and you would fast from all music except for Gregorian chant for a month and you would pray the Angelus 
every day, three times a day, six, 12, and six, and you would go to confession frequently. You'd go to mass every Sunday. You'd be in a state of grace. You'd read scripture with each other. You would fast from food Wednesday and Friday. You'd pray the rosary. Like there's, a, a, there's like a prescription that the entire family would do. Why? Because if just the possessed person tried to do it, but the family was still watching TV, then then that possessed person would, wouldn't be able to avoid the near occasion. So the whole family would would be in solidarity, even though it's not their struggle, but because they want their loved one to be liberated, they would all go through these penances and these prayers and these practices to help their loved one find freedom over time. And it is a process. So I bring that up because I believe the same can be applied for you. Right now, your son's away from the church. So this is a season for you to grow in deeper holiness for them, but also for yourself. Like God will use their sin to draw you to a deeper holiness, to you, to a deeper intimacy, to a deeper relationship. So now's the time for you to increase your prayer, to increase mass, increase confession, read more scripture, pray the rosary every day, fast Wednesday and Friday. If you can't fast from food, fast from TV, fast from music, fast from, 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 fast from something for them. But as you're doing this for them, you'll be drawn closer to him, to Jesus. And you'll also be able to trust Jesus that he will provide for them what is best for them in their walk toward eternity. He will be faithful to you as you are faithful to him. So my encouragement is this, don't focus on the power of the devil, right? Right? We're all in a spiritual battle. By virtue of our baptism, we became the body of Christ. So he's going to attack us the same way he attacked Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. That's just the way it is. Your sons were baptized. They're the body of Christ. They are in a battle right now. And right now they're losing, but they haven't lost the war. They might be losing battles, but they have not lost the war. So I would encourage you to go to battle, to go to battle for them with him, the Holy Spirit, so that you can also abide in a deeper intimacy with the Lord. Lean into the saints who also had similar experiences with their kids who fell away, with their spouses who fell away, with their parents who fell away, with their own members in their religious communities who fell away. Lean into them, watch them and their lives, how they prayed, how they fasted, and also pay attention to the supernatural fruits they were able to witness either in their lifetime or whenever they got to heaven, right? And trust and believe that God would do the same for you. So with that being said, Let's do a simple prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All right, y'all, God bless. I will be with you again next week. But until then, I will see you in the Eucharist. And if I don't ever meet you on earth, I pray I will meet you in heaven. Deuces. <laughs>